Hey team, welcome to episode 77 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. In this episode, we put a magnifying glass on group dental practices and cover both the advantages and disadvantages of owning one. How many doctors make a group dental practice, you may ask? To be clear, when we say it in this episode, we are talking about practices with three or more owners or three or more doctors, but preferably owners in this episode. Be it a challenge or an opportunity, today's episode will present both sides of the story so you can make an educated opinion as you decide which path you're going to go down. So hello, Mr. Loretto. It's been so long. Uh. (laughs) We actually recorded earlier today. Well, it's great to see your face again. It's great to see your face too. How's it going? Oh, excellent. You always get your Loretto story. So my brother has twins, little boy and little girl, and four years ago as the babies are coming out he's like bro be so cool you know like we can coach together when they're older and we can coach soccer i'm like dawn can't wait i'll coach soccer with you for sure (laughs) friday hey bro i signed us up for soccer we need to be at practice on tuesday i'm like you can't just do that you can't i agreed to something four years ago i'm an empty nester this is party time for me not coaching four-year-olds but uh i'm coaching four-year-olds again i love that (laughs) we are back in the swing of kids sports again brent is doing soccer again and lila is her first true like volleyball okay so her first game is tomorrow actually so by the time this episode airs hopefully she's a star volleyball player maybe being asked to join some professional league but if not we'll have fun man i joked with the parents there's literally 20 something parents all filming their first soccer practice and i looked at all of them i was like keep investing in your 529 plans there are no (laughs) professional athletes in this group that i have identified in the first 40 minutes of practice (laughs) well this year in britain soccer it's first grade so it's a full instead of like the little half clearly i'm a sports it's just a smaller field yeah what is it joel and you know this what is it field Field. yes yes words are hard today folks (laughs) so we'll see but it's gonna be a fun year you'll have to keep us apprised of your second time around coaching four-year-old soccer yeah pray right yeah i've gotten through one (laughs) practice we might want to check on me next year if i commit to it again we'll see oh man well you know me i like to start with the bad and end with the good okay you're right so i want to start with the disadvantages of a group practice now we can like dissect any practice right so we're focusing on group practices today and we get a lot of calls that say hey i've got two opportunities and sometimes they're like a partnership versus a walk away or a bigger established practice versus one that they kind of have a little bit more flexibility in and at the end of the day what we will always come back to is like what do you want what are your goals if we're talking to you on the phone because some people really want the partnership some people really never see themselves as partners right and I think that should trump everything but if you're truly open and you really do want to weigh pros and cons I think this episode will be really helpful every practice is going to be different there's going to be unique factors of everything but the goal of today is like all the bad things that could be and then all the good things that would be in your practice probably going to have a little mix of both yeah you're right I mean it's this is a very personal decision spoke to somebody today they're from Iowa she is from Iowa and then the husband of course gonna go with where she's from and so yeah when you're looking at something like that and maybe he's got a couple of opportunities we're probably gonna go with what makes uh, if it's a partnership great we don't have a lot of options we're gonna go back to maybe a small town of Iowa and we're just gonna maybe not have three or four or five different opportunities may just have just one or two so I think it's just super important to figure out where that fit is first and then we'll analyze what options and with this group practice thing 
thing. I mean, we'll certainly end on the high note with all the pros. I love partnerships, to be quite honest. There's so many cool things about them. But in the end, you may have like an individual that is a super driver mm-hmm. and they need to have every answer. They're kind of a control type person and they're asking so many million questions. That is starting to tell me that may not be the best fit for maybe a three or four ownership practice because it's probably going to drive them a little crazy that they don't have all the answers all the time. Because when you get three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, even in my case, up to 13 owners trying to make a decision about one thing, it can slow down the process. Messy. Yeah, it can be a little messy. So, but yeah, there's some disadvantages. And so I think the first one is just there's a lot of decision makers, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And sometimes this thing kind of goes down to, it's just weird, but this senior most person is somehow, even though there's four doctors and somehow they are 25% owners each, and you're maybe the fifth guy or gal, that that senior person is somehow really the one making the most decisions. So you got to figure out who that person is. Are you aligned with their decision-making and vision and direction? Or is it four to five, six people and they get together once every eight weeks to try to make a decision? I mean, just, it's like watching paint dry. It's just, come on. You yeah. know, I, I, and I've dealt with those groups of practice, even as they're thinking about hiring Kane Waters, they can't make a decision. Yeah. Or there's not an alignment of what their goals are, or they don't communicate, like you said, clearly enough so that it's a, this is what I want. Let me try to convince you versus like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? Right. And I've been on several calls where they say, we need to talk about this as a partner group and like, make sure everyone feels heard and make sure we can do this together. And that doesn't mean that individuals don't have their own opinion, but they're just kind of respectful versus a, this is what we're going to do. Does anyone have a problem? Say yes. Right. When you may then have certain people who don't feel comfortable speaking up in large group environments and need time to process. So like, I think that too many decision makers not having clear direction on like, hey, you be in charge of these types of decisions. I'm going to trust that you're going to come talk to us when you need like input, but like we're going to let you spearhead this area and you spearhead this area. And then, you know, we're going to regularly meet to talk about these things versus it's the wild, wild west and everyone's making random decisions or we're not talking at all and nothing's getting done. Right. So I feel like those too many decision makers or not enough decision makers is like a big one. And it's communication to me. Well, it's interesting too, is you'll get some practices that are not organized Mm -hmm. and it shows up with their overhead. Oh yeah. So you would think that a four doctor practice, if they're on the same page and focus, good financials or meeting monthly that they'll have really good overheads. And if that's the case, awesome. And we see that many, many times, but there's sometimes that four to five people are not necessarily on the same page. They're not meeting and looking at things. And actually it's how the overhead actually gets out of line. It actually becomes not as attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, where the overhead should be less, it's actually more either in a GP practice or multi-specialty practices. So it's interesting. As a business owner, you need to constantly looking at your business and efficiencies and have goals for it, not just from a collections top line, but also kind of that middle line and making sure you're hitting that. And if everyone's aligned, then sure, you're going to be hitting that. But a lot of times you're not, it's going to be reflective in that overhead. And then that's not attractive for you, young buyer. And it's not yeah. attractive for you sellers as you're like, hey, why isn't my large $5 million practice getting? Getting a value like I thought. And it's 
because you're not focused on it. Yep. And then what I see a lot in these group practices, depending on the age of the group practice, right? So in my world, we have like the, there's the group practice that's been established for a really long time. And it's way, you know what I mean? Like it was established a long time ago. There've been multiple associates kind of in and out. And then there are the ones that are like more recent, right? So then maybe like everyone's kind of on the same pace in the last 20 years versus like 50 years, right? Sometimes the partnership agreement that they're all operating under is very outdated and very unclear. And they've literally just been like plugging the new person in it. They haven't really been revamping it. And that becomes a challenge because that partnership agreement might not reflect at all what they're doing in like operations or as new people come in and want changes to that, there's this like, well, this is how we've operated forever. And so why do you want to change it versus a, okay, like, are we even doing that? Like, what's the best way to do this? So I think that is a big challenge with group practice too, is like the entrance of someone new, does it or does it not change like how you operate? And are you changing that agreement? Well, and you think about too, that young person has the least influence Mm -hmm. as possible. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just what this young guy out of dental school at 26, 27, they've been in the practice all of two years or 29, and they're trying to tell a bunch of 50-year-olds that their partnership agreement is outdated, that their structure is outdated, that their overhead is higher than normal, that the way they're splitting money is outdated. It's not really accounting for a lot of the direct cost of people and maybe certain procedures or labs or things like that. And now it's a harder road. So a lot of times when we're representing a buyer like that, we're grabbing the financials, asking these tough questions. That's literally how this episode got generated. It's like, I love this practice. I love this, but man, there's some barriers, some big hurdles we're going to have to overcome. Are they really open to change? Mm -hmm. Is that something that and who's going to guide them? Yeah. Because currently the team they have to maybe represent the three or four, it's not really set up the way that this idea, you need to know that. Maybe this still makes sense for you, but you know the job is to make sure like there's four or five things I'm concerned about, four or five major things I think you need to have strong conversations with them and see if there's anything that might be able to be changed. There. Yeah. And we've talked about this before, but it's hard when someone comes and tells you maybe your house is not as pretty as you thought it was, you know? I know. Like maybe there's a different way to do something or maybe, you know, it's hard not to take that personal if you're a seller listening. But like, if you have someone that you're considering making a partner, right? If they're important enough to be a partner, they're important enough to listen to their ideas and acknowledge them and maybe try them and say, okay, let's see if that works better, right? Like that's really an important concept to me. If you're thinking of joining or thinking of bringing on someone into this group mentality, why? And if you're not willing to listen and make changes and adjust and respect and try to hone in on what would make them an asset to your group, then why are you doing it? You know, that's a question I feel like you have to ask yourself. Well, and remember, humility is is key to any relationship, just in sellers, buyers. You're just like, hey, if there's a better way to do this, that's what you're looking for. Open to learn. It makes me think about another subject that we have in a future episode, just on the corporate structure and how important it is. The corporate structure is absolutely critical for these partnerships to be very, very effective. So Mm -hmm. stay tuned for that episode. But what I will tell you is, is when a group practice practice is operating inside of a single corporation, what typically takes place is those doctors become very, very conservative in their tax planning that they do as individuals. Again, one of the five reasons you must own is tax planning. And so if you're conservative in tax planning, you're giving up essentially one of the five reasons Mm -hmm. that you must own. It's conservative in a single corporation because it's a lot more difficult for the accountant to split out 
you know, Christie's running through $30,000 of expenses and Charles is running through $1 and Joellen's running through $100,000 of stuff. That Joellen. That Joellen. She's such a spender. And so then you got to start messing with salaries and there's high accounting bills Mm -hmm. and things like that. So this is where sometimes we're going through those scenarios with the buyer and they're kind of scratching their hands. Well, it sounds like it's going to be hard. I'm not saying we're not going to do it. Again, if you always find me a better deal, then we're going to go do that better deal. Mm -hmm. It could be like that example. In, in Iowa, there may not be another deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe that be the only deal, and you, you know, maybe that spouse is already employed. Maybe that spouse is already an owner. We just need to figure out, even if there are some better ways that we could have done it, we're just going to take what we can get. Yeah, and every now and then we get a group partnership where it's a stock sale, and it's one corporation, and they're not changing it because they've been like that forever. Yep still can be a very good deal for sure. the buyer, right? Sure. It's just, this is now a group practice. This is added complexity. Yep. You're going to have to like battle your various partners. Then we need, just need to know more. This stock deal, it could be like a, you know, there's some rules that if it's a C corp, you're trying to unwind it. There's a five-year rule. Maybe you're only at year two because you just bought somebody out. So the seller has to wait three more years to try to unwind it. But the buyer's like, I want to buy now. Well, okay, we can still get that done. So that great example of that's a hurdle. Let me explain what you're buying. And does it still make sense? And the answer could absolutely be yes. Yeah. Oftentimes these group dental practices have multiple locations, right? Mm Because they're bigger. So they generally aren't in one location, although sometimes they are. We see a lot of like strife in the multiple locations with the newer doctors coming in or how are they splitting up where they work. Um, The younger one oftentimes having to like, you know, earn their keep through working at the most remote one or the one that no one wants to go to. Right. That bothers me. I mean, I don't mind if you live in Metro City and you got a satellite that is 40 minutes away that none of the senior doctors want to go work at, but hey, let's make Junior go work there. I mean, I have a problem with it. I mean, if it's for a period of time, great, but I want it identified. Mm -hmm. And then I want after that, I want it to be on rotation. And then when we value a business, in this case, a group practice, I want, and I think the value of that dentist working in all locations is they're adding value at mm-hmm. all the locations. If you just put the associate over in 50 mile away remote area, I don't know they're adding the most value. I mean, they're, they're doing procedures, but the senior doctors have value in diagnosing, management, marketing, things that that young person doesn't. So I love the rotation if we have multiple practices well, and I think small that doctors. Can too, I mean, I know it's not always feasible, but I do think if you have like, this is my location, this is my location, you have the risk that you now kind of create a bifurcated, segmented practice where like the locations have different feels based on who the different person is versus if I'm a partner of this overall practice, I want to know who works there and I want to know how this feels here and I want it to feel cohesive for the people, right? And so I think that has a risk there too. So another thing to think about, approach, bringing in partner, you're the one buying, like, where am I going to work? How am I going to work? Don't just say, sure, I'll do it to get in, right? To appease and be the younger guy who's saying yes, if that's not what you want to do long-term, because now you're in a partnership and now it's not going to get easier once you're in. The toughest conversations are after you do the deal. Mm -hmm. You get mm-hmm. married, it's like, oh, let's have some hard conversations. It's, it's a tough, <laughs> you want to have a lot of those conversations, you know, very on. And I think that all parties have negotiating power, much stronger negotiating power in the early onset of mm-hmm. I'm in school and I'm coming back to this area versus now I'm the associate and I don't like going to this practice anymore. Or I can see there's problems and you guys have decision making issues building issues, you know, whatever they may be. Yeah. And I think as we talk about locations, who owns the real estate? If I own this practice, I own the real estate. Is there one person who owns the real estate? Oftentimes the goal and what we would say is fair market lease, standard terms, 
if that's the case, you're fine, but it could create like a uncomfortable dynamic if only one or two of the group partners own the real estate and they retire, they leave, something happens to the market, you know, you want to move the practice somewhere else that can create some issues. Yeah. Other real estate episodes that we have definitely go back and listen to those, but sure. As a young person, I don't mind in a big group practice, probably pretty common. They probably do own the building. It's probably a nice building, probably an expensive building. It could be a $5 million building, but if there's five of you and you're doing seven, $8 million of collections, you're either going to pay fair rent or you're going to pay the reasonable amount for one fifth of the $5 million building. So I'd much rather you have equity in that as a young person. As established doctor, sure. I'd like to overcharge the associate <laughs> slash do owner and make money off of them, but it's just not fair in how you want your partnership to happen. So it's certainly a conversation you want to have and reasonable maybe after you've been there for five years that there is an equal equity position in the real estate. You're going to need to save a bunch of money anyway for the down payment of the real estate. So just make sure that, again, that's another conversation you think about A, as a seller or B, as the buyer going into it. These group partnerships uh, will typically own some portion of the real estate. So good conversations to be thinking about. Okay. This one is my maybe number two bad thing. Okay. Okay. After like goal alignment and like not communicating and too many cooks in the kitchen. All right the timing of transition and like the age of the partners in the group and kind of this pulls in like the young person having not as much influence or the young person kind of being there. If all of the partners in a group practice are roughly the same age and you have a younger person coming in, the angst that the younger person is going to have is like, what happens when all of you want to retire at the same age, right? So like that piece of it is something I feel like we don't think about maybe as much as we should when we enter into it. But then when you're there and you're the person who's responsible for, you know, your 20% or whatever percentage you own, and you look at them being five, six, seven years out all at the same time, holy moly, what are we going to do there? Well, young person, you better understand your partnership agreement. And you better understand that you obviously, in this example, if it was for the doctors and the practice was doing $6 million, you can't do the $6 million of work and you don't want to be obligated to buy each of their maybe 20% shares. So there needs to, to be clearly defined of how that's going to work and transition to future partners. The entire group needs to to be at risk. And I've said this many times, the only time you're ever going to look at a legal agreement in life is mm-hmm. when there is a problem. And when two or three people decide to retire at once or somebody becomes disabled, somebody dies, something like that, you're going to go back and look at your agreement. And so just to know your opportunity to buy in, but also the risk that obviously you're not going to be able to run a $6 million practice on your own if all of a sudden these established doctors that are much older than you all want to retire at once. Now, you're in common that you're going to see three, four partners all retiring at once, but it is something to be cognizant about that the group practice needs to be marketing to other younger people that can buy in to slowly phase out these senior doctors. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So have we talked negative enough? It's been a little negative. Okay, let's turn it around. (laughs) Let's turn that frown upside down. All right. Okay, advantages of this group practice. I mean, I think the number one advantage is I mean, there's a lot of them, but the flexibility that you have as a practitioner to be able to like practice, to rely clinically and on getting opinions and just being able to like miss a day and know you hit your partners have your backs, life events are going to happen and just learning. Most people we work with who want partnerships just want that ability to commiserate and learn from each other and push each other and really kind of develop something bigger than what you could develop on your own and have that structure there that, you know, it'll keep going without you. I mean, the mentorship that I can even think about when I entered this place and 
my lack of tax knowledge or just even owning my own business or dentistry. Mm-hmm. And for just think about all the things that I've been able to learn, all the things you've been able to learn, mm-hmm. all the things you've been able to teach others. I mean, that is the beauty of buying into something that's that's large, that there's systems in place. It's a machine that's working. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. I love the flexibility that you get a chance to take off and go to Europe. I love that <laughs> Roxanne and I get to go to <laughs> Mexico every quarter. I love that the team approach that we have and and can kind of pick up when the other person is down. So certainly the flexibility. And I, I think a lot of young people are looking for that. Mm-hmm. If you look at that demographic that's buying these practices, it's certainly, they want that flexibility. They want that work-life balance. And, and they're scared and maybe a little nervous about taking on a million, five kind of big practice four days a week, feel like it's just going to consume them. And they won't have that ability to maybe leave early and kind of go to kids' events and things like that, which, you know, a group practice can. Yeah. And I think you kind of hit it. Like, for those that are a little more risk adverse and don't want everything to be on them, right? Like this group practice, it's still a big loan probably. It's not like it's less valuable. It's yep. just you have someone else to fall back if you have something that doesn't allow you to like keep going, which is a lot of people's fear of being like a solo. You're the only person. Everything right. relies on you, your entire staff. Some people thrive in that and some people that might make them not want to be an owner. And so this is, I feel like, a good avenue for them to explore. And then I think, too, like you can generally make something bigger than you can make it on your own, or that should be the goal, right? Mm -hmm. So then that allows overhead to be lower and more profitability for hopefully less work. Right. And that's, I think, a big advantage of if they've listened to each other and they're running the right financials and they're doing all the things, that overhead should be lower for a, certainly for a one location, but even if you're really maximizing production and multi-locations, should be lower. I mean, I've got examples of like solo oral surgeons that are doing $4 million with 25% overheads. I've got GPs that work in big group practices, single place, you know, maybe it's a 15 chair practice and there's, you know, four to five doctors working in that practice and they got the overhead in the forties. So that's unheard of. Mm -hmm. And it's because their fixed costs are down single digits, ran it two, 3% and all their fixed costs are single digit eight, nine. They're leveraging their employees. They're just process wise too. You almost have to have better. I shouldn't say better, but you have to have stronger and more efficient and more documented processes when you have more people that are quote, quote in charge, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so one of those negatives was too many decision makers, too many like bosses, right? But then that requires you all to be on the same page about what you're telling staff and how they're doing things and how the offices are being run it should which then I think too adds to efficiency and adds to overhead and like reduces kind of like inefficiencies in both financial and like just time of your people that allow more people to be seen if you're interested to get inside Christy's brain let me give you a little insight processes Processes. systems organization Time management. This is her strength. This is why she's the leader. Unless you're in my Gmail inbox and then all bets are off. No, I, I get it. No, I mean, and it's the truth. I, I'm kidding, but you know, you run a multi million dollar organization and you're responsible for a lot of things and work life balance and, you know, 10 plus employees and, it's no different than these partners. I mean, the same thing that three, four partners are managing, you know, four partner practice with maybe an associate would probably have around 20 employees. That's a lot. It's a lot to take on. And you're right. You better have the systems and processes or that all these benefits that, you know, we're kind of going over your mentorship and the lower overhead and flexibility. If you don't have those things in place, you're not going to achieve any of them. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then from a goodwill standpoint, right? When we talk about transition being a, a negative, right? 
there's a lot of positives to a transitioning new people in and out of that group partnership, right? Like you're not a walk away. So you do have the goodwill that you're transitioning over. You have existing partners that have relationships. You have production to shift to the new person. So if done the right way, that disadvantage of that like chaotic, everyone's going to retire at the same time, right? Can be a real big advantage to a young buyer coming in, in that training and not having to figure it out all on their own is, is really incredible. Yeah. The anxiety for all these new buyers that we help become owners, is it going to work? And mm-hmm. how's this? How's this? And there's just a million, there are a million questions and it just kind of puts their mind at ease knowing that they're just going to walk into something a couple of years later boom they're just this equity partner and they don't have to worry about anything i mean it's a beautiful thing when mm-hmm. it works that way absolutely what else what's your parting pro well i think you said this earlier but just that risk adverse person you know we may look at a practice where they're going to go in and do x amount of dentistry and maybe their take-home pay and the partnership is going to be $400,000 and there's a practice down the street that's for sale and maybe they're going to make $500,000. But they're so nervous about doing that on their own, even that dollar amount mm-hmm. is not an incentive. $600,000, they, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They just literally say, I hear what you're saying, I just, I can't do it. Yep. You know, We see some extremes. We see some extremes that people just be an associate for their whole life. I think they should listen to why you must own speech first. (laughs) Yeah, I had a few people in my life say, I wish I would have heard that sooner. But uh, some people are just super just nervous. And so for a group practice, it's a a way to ease in, Mm -hmm. you know, to the ownership. So look, there's again pros and cons to this deal. I love the group practice. The goal of a lot of these podcasts are really just kind of educate you and get you thinking about good questions you should be asking of how this group partnership is going to work. And as long as a lot of those boxes are checked, there's a plan for you. It gets me really excited. It gets me excited if I'm talking to a senior doctor and they've got three or four successful partners and they're, they've got a model and a system and they're asking me some questions or opinions about how to bring the fourth one. Should we do it different? If the system is working, we never change it. Yep. Never. If I tell people I got a new Kane Waters client, and there's 50, 60 things that they're doing from the payroll accounting and the bookkeeper person and the dental vendors and the pension plan investments. If something is working, I just want to compliment you on it and only look at the things that are broken and educate you and then let's come up with a strategy then of how to how to repair those it's the exact same thing in any business transaction exact same thing with any partnership is let's keep what's working yep 100 percent. and i think if you're looking to buy or sell hopefully we found little nuggets in here it's important to recognize both sides of the story and understand what a buyer might be looking at if you're in a group practice and if you're looking to buy into one like what's the perspective of those existing partners and how am i going to fit into that mix i think without question a partnership is a marriage from a professional standpoint and that's what you're entering but you're entering with you know three wives or three husbands or you know you're now you have multiple personalities so communication understanding what your goals are clear communication before you enter into that relationship and then a plan for how are we going to communicate moving forward. I think if you have those things and you know yourself and you know you want a partnership, then I think it can be an incredible opportunity and incredible cash flows. I love for the senior doctors here and for my buying doctors, if your guys are meeting on a quarterly basis, you're updating each other with how you're doing. Buyers should come to the table every quarter with, this is what I produced. Here's some of the clinical courses that I'm taking. Here's some of the accomplishments. Here's some areas where I failed. Here's some, in my next quarter goals is to, is to take on and learn more of the management responsibilities. And it's the exact same thing with my seniors. I want you to start setting the goals for them, agree with that, make some changes, 
and then give them updates with how the transition plan is coming. The valuation team, the accountant, the building, all of those things. I really want good communication between the two. And this is what makes these things work. The no communication, talking two years things, that drags out forever. You're going to be the associate that literally just yesterday, 10 years as the associate, and she's finally buying her first practice. So nothing wrong with that. I just... Education is key, and, I, and literally, she's. I would have purchased sooner if I just would have heard you earlier. You know, so is what it is. All right. Well, group practices check off the list. No, as always, if you have ideas of things you want to hear about, ideas you want to delve further into, you know where to find us. And that's all we have for episode 77 of Transition Talk. As always, make sure to share the transition love with those who may not know of us yet, and of course, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.